Greetings and welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Pete Lorimer, former hit record producer and now host of the show, Stay Here on Netflix. On the podcast, you will always find business and real estate strategies, marketing techniques and tips for the entrepreneur. So hit the big bloody subscribe button, would you? Give it a like and also please share this podcast with someone else that might get value from it. does an agent break into the luxury market? Now, I have been very fortunate in my 17-year career that much of it has been in luxury. And I'm going to tell you exactly the path that I took, the mistakes that I made. And I'm going to give you some kind of shortcuts so that you can potentially break into a market. Now, my theory actually works not just for luxury. It works for middle. It works for, you know, niche. If you want to just go after veterans or you want to just go after probates or you want to, whatever your niche is, this is really aimed at real estate agents finding a pocket that they want to run hard at. One of the biggest problems that I see with real estate agents, because I own PLG Estates and we have close to 200, is I see people bouncing around, right? They try this, they'll try Zillow, they'll try door knocking, they'll try cold calling, and nobody's consistent, or very few people are consistent, and consistency always wins. So today's mantra is all about luxury. I want to show you what I did right, what I did wrong, and hopefully you can parlay this into something for you and your careers. So, how the heck do you break into luxury, right? Some of us don't come from luxury backgrounds. I certainly don't come from a luxury background. I didn't go to the good schools in Los Angeles. I didn't go to good schools anywhere, to be honest with you. In fact, I barely went to school, but that's a whole other story. And I remember when I, I was in the music business, as many of you know, when I left the music business, I didn't have any high rollers that I was going to, you know, just call up and say, hey, buddy, will you sell your $5 million house with me? No, it was a grind. But I will tell you this. What I did have in my mind was I'd read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, and I'd written down goals. And I remember showing when I was a new agent, it was a bad time. I got in as the market was still good. But of course, when you're a new agent, nobody wants to work with you. And then just as I kind of learned my trade, the market crashed. And I remember showing like crappy, you know, $300,000 studio apartments. And my rule of thumb is when you're a new agent, you do anything and everything. Because there is a key point to this. One of my first luxury deals, I remember actually showing this girl a studio condo to buy. It was awful. It was next to the freeway, next to a supermarket. And then on the other side of her was a freeway. And I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is, my head says, this is never going to go anywhere. But I worked with her. I took real care. And I'm going to show you how to get into the mindset of working with people or or projects or or properties that you don't particularly like and how to make it kind of be immensely successful for you. But I remember keeping in my mind, I want to sell multi-million dollar houses in the Hollywood Hills to the music business. And lo and behold, this gal that I worked with and I really put my, my heart and soul into it and I gave her great advice and, you know, there was barely any commission and... Long story short, ended up meeting someone who I sold my first $4 million house to through that person. So let me give you some tips 
if you're trying to break into a market, if you're new into town and you're like, I want to get into the luxury market. So I've got five tips for you. Number one is you got to go where the clients go, right? So if I wanted to start selling houses in Beverly Hills or to, to rock musicians or to whatever, I had to start going to gigs and I had to start going to nightclubs, which was a big part of my past life anyway. And I had to, you know, bring up the conversation and I had to go to parties and I had to, when I heard the sniff of like a party in say Bel Air, you know, I didn't really know anyone. I felt insecure. We all feel insecure. And I had that feeling of, I come from a kind of a rough part of England, a very, very working class part of England. And I still fight the demons of, you know what? They're going to figure out that I'm really not part of this crowd and they're going to ask me to leave and it's going to be terrible and nobody wants to talk to me and oh my God, I'm a failure. But, you know, I kind of fought through those fears, which we all naturally have. And I attended events. I went to parties in Bel Air and you'll be amazed in LA and I'm sure other cities. If you poke around, you're going to be able to find people and invites. It takes time. You're not just going to get invited to the Met Gala tomorrow. But it takes time. You start with one event, a small event, then a bigger event, then a bigger event, and you make friends and you, you go for dinners and you, you wish people a happy birthday and you work your sphere of influence. It's not even a sphere of influence. You work, you work this new sphere of influence and always know that it's gonna take time and it's going to take effort and it's gonna take moving in the same direction over and over again. So that's point number one, which is you've got to go where the clients are. And if you don't know anyone and you manage to get in, just go and start talking to people. There is this common misnomer where people think, oh, you know, I shouldn't really go. I don't want to disturb people. And, you know, I'm not really going to go talk to that guy or that gal at the bar because, you know, I'm sure they don't want to talk to me. Wrong. Everybody at the party that's kind of sitting there like this, they're all thinking the same thing, that nobody wants to talk to them and they shouldn't talk to someone else. You'll be amazed if you just start out with a conversation. You know, what happens next is you must, 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 must know the inventory. Now, open houses, brokers opens are a thing of the past right now, but everything is online. So if you are wanting to break into luxury real estate, now you've got step one under your belt, which is going and attending these events. What happens if Sally at the bar says, yeah, you know what? I'm looking for a, for a house in Bel Air that's you know somewhere between three and five million. Then if you don't know the inventory, what happens next? Oh, great. I'll get back to you. I'll send you some stuff from the MLS. Well, any MLS jockey can do that. What you need to do or what I strongly suggest you do is even during COVID, jump in your car and go and drive by all of the new listings. Some agents will still allow you to come and see it or preview it. Even if you don't have a client, be honest, don't call up and say, yeah, I'm previewing it for a $10 million client in Russia. Just tell them the truth. Just say, hey, I'm, I may have some clients for this. I don't have anybody exactly in mind. Can I come and take a look? Agents, a lot of agents are going to let you come and see the house. Or you ask for a piggyback, like if they're doing a showing, can I come and piggyback it afterwards? And they'll let you run through the house. Knowing the inventory is absolutely crucial like case in point, I had a very big kind of British musician who said to me, hey, Pete, I'm looking for a, this particular area of Beverly Hills. And then I knew of a house that came on the market with, that would fit him perfectly, that was just outside Beverly Hills in the Hollywood Hills. And I said, let's go see that one. 
I showed him it and he bought it because I knew my inventory. And that was a big sale. That was a $6 million house. Number three is prospecting. Now this works in all genres of real estate, but we have to prospect. When we meet Sally at the bar, we don't just send her one email. We always must reach out and prospect. Now with luxury, there is a different way to prospect. The different way to prospect is you always, always, always have to bring value. You can't just say, hey Sally, do you wanna go look at some houses? People who wanna look at luxury property are generally very busy or have a very short attention span or both. They are looking at you to not be a glorified real estate Uber driver. They want your opinion. They want to know why you like it. They want to know why you think it's a good house in the middle of the block. They wanna know why you think it's a good build. They wanna know who lives nearby and they wanna know what's just sold and they wanna know it all from this. They don't want you show it. They don't want you showing your iPad to them. If you are lucky enough to get them in the car, you need to be able to drive through the streets and say, yeah, that one just traded at 4 million. It was nice, but the kitchen was dated. This one just traded at 6 million. It has an amazing backyard. Everything was redone. I think actually they undersold it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to know the architects, the builders and the agents, but prospecting the people that you meet in this genre is incredibly important, like it is in all genres of real estate, but you gotta prospect luxury buyers and sellers in a different way. Always bring value. Maybe you say something like, hey, I'm gonna use the name Sally again. Hey Sally, who is a, a seller. Hey Sally, you know, I haven't spoke to you in a few months. Just wanted to let you know that 123 Green Street down the block just sold at $1,500 a foot. And you know, I wondered if you might be open to considering offers if I can if I can bring some people to your home. A lot of the luxury market is a slow burn where you maybe bring buyers who are potentially interested without having a listing agreement. I'm gonna cover this in other mantras. It's a much slower dance because the stakes are much higher and the commissions are much higher. Now, once you get into prospecting, right, it's very easy to kind of forget. I'm going to get onto point number four now. Point number four is you have to schedule absolutely everything. Every person that I'm going to prospect, I schedule. I put it in my calendar and their name pops up with a time. Now, maybe I might be calling them, I might be texting them, I might be DMing them, or I might be emailing them, but everything is scheduled. I use Copper as a CRM because I like that it's really quick and easy and it's not deep and I can have my notes and I can, I can use it on my phone, I can use it on my laptop. And I absolutely know every conversation I've had with that client, even if I haven't spoken to them for two years. Now I'm talking about luxury here. So if I prospect a luxury client, I've got notes on their house or notes on the house they bought, notes on their jobs, notes on their kids, notes on their dogs. I got notes on everything. So when I call them, I can say, hey Sally, how's Phil? Let's just pretend that's her husband. And how's Bobby and Shirley? Are they doing good at school? Yeah, great. And I love your Labradors. Don't be too detailed because it can get a little bit creepy. But you need to know the inner workings of who these people are. Because the moment a luxury client just feels like another notch on the bedpost, they're done. Luxury buyers and sellers need to feel like they are your only client. Obviously, they're not but they need to feel like they are your only client.
It's a different ball game, right? If they're calling you at 11 o'clock at night, you know, sometimes you might have to pick up. And then the fifth point, the fifth and the most important point is this, and this goes for all genres of real estate. Never look at the clients as a commission. Look at what you make in a year as salary and treat everyone the same. The moment, especially a luxury client, thinks that you have your eye on the check rather on what is best for them and their families or whatever their lifestyle is, the, the faintest hint of money going to you is toxic and you can stand, you will maybe destroy that relationship. Last but not least is this, with luxury buyers and sellers, I refer to the dance being a lot longer. Ladies and gentlemen, it might be one, two, three years. There are agents here in Los Angeles, some of the biggest agents. I know they have worked those leads for five, six, 10 years before a client has bought and sold. But at the end of the day, if you're gonna sell a $20 million house, you're selling a house that's 20 times more expensive than the norm, certainly here in Los Angeles. So it might take 20 times longer to convert. But it's a really special, beautiful market to be in. I traverse many markets. I do luxury, I do regular, I do new build, I do the whole gamut. And I, I like that I have, uh, I switch it up. But I wanted to give you guys some really good pointers for breaking into luxury, because it's a long, it's a long hard road to be a successful agent anyway, but it's an even longer, harder road to break into luxury. And then bonus tip, why don't you call up some of the luxury agents in your areas and ask them for some tips? A lot of them won't give you any, some will. And that five minute conversation will be invaluable. There are some lovely, lovely people in real estate who don't mind sharing how they got where they are. I'm certainly one of them. You can always ping me. That's about it for the podcast this week. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back again next week with another topic and another great podcast. So don't forget to hit that button and subscribe. Until next time, take care and I will see you later.